This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, the third day of January 2023, our first show of 2023. Uh, uh, I'm glad 2022 is over. It was a brutal year. Lost a lot of friends, uh, family members in 2022. Uh, the, the, the world lost a lot of great people. We'll talk about that later on in the week, the, the amount of people, uh, and, and I, look, it's worse as we get older, right? I mean, I'm 62 years old. And as we get older, people that, that have been a part of the fabric of our lives, be it entertainers or, uh, you know, just famous people, politicians, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it just, uh, it becomes more, I guess, uh, <laughs> the carnage becomes greater as we get older, as uh, we lose so many people. And when you start seeing people dying that are younger than you are, uh, it's uh, it's an eye opener. Um, got a lot to get to this morning, but I want to start. I think we need to start with what happened last night on Sunday Night Football. Um, look. I think things got put into perspective a great deal last night um, with the injury to DeMar Hamlin. I think we discovered, um, if we didn't already know this, and we should, but if we didn't already know this, um, I think we realized that at the end of the day, sports doesn't matter, right? I mean, think about that. At the end of the day, Lamar Hamlin could have lost his life last night. Cardiac arrest, and, uh, you know, they're working on him on the field, and everybody is just devastated, as you would expect. And uh, it, it, was, it, it brought out, and, and, and you know, it, it brought things into perspective. It, uh, it rocked every player on that field, because every player on that field said, that could be me, right? We're, I, I'm, uh, I'm a step away from something like that happening to me. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that uh, some of it, some of it, um, some of the reaction last night, is, uh, is recency bias a little bit? You know, oh, we've never seen anything like this before. Look, we've seen some pretty devastating injuries before. Have we seen cardiac arrest on the field? Not necessarily. Um, but if you remember um, back ooh, 15-ish years ago, Kevin Bennett of the, uh, the Buffalo Bills ended up uh, paralyzed after a hit. Back in 2007, it was, uh, I think, uh, 
uh, happened in the second half of, a, of the, the opening game of the season against the Broncos. And he sustained a spinal cord injury that left him uh, partially paralyzed. I remember in 1978, my senior year in high school, the New England Patriots were playing the Oakland Raiders in a preseason game. And Daryl Stingley, who was one of the best receivers in football at the time, 26 years old, uh, sustained, uh, was going up for a pass and sustained a hit from Jack Tatum. And uh, he was a defenseless receiver, but his helmet hit Tatum's shoulder pad. There was neck compression, and Daryl Stingley ended up a quadriplegic for the rest of his life. He ended up dying at the age of 55 in 2007. He was just ready to sign a huge contract extension, would, would have made him the highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL. It was supposed to be announced after that uh, West Coast uh, trip for the preseason game. Never got signed, and his career was over. I mean, frankly, when you come right down to it, we are fortunate that this has not happened more, right? Think about that. You know, I mean, uh, we we see injuries every week, every week, and you know, most times it's it's a uh, it's a knee or an ankle or something like that. We don't see uh, injuries to the extent of what happened to Demar Hamlin, and uh, you know where. Uh, as Booger McFarland put it, look, we're talking about life or death here. This is a completely different ball game, so to speak. Um, but we're lucky that we don't see more of it. With the speed of the game now, the violence of the hit, part of the reason why the NFL has changed some of the rules, like you can't hit a defenseless receiver and some of the roughing the passer calls and things. Look, they have you know the helmet-to-helmet contact. They are trying to do their best to limit the amount of catastrophic injuries in a very violent sport. And it is not an easy thing to do. It's not. You know, and I'm sure that there are going, you know, people that aren't huge sports fans are, you know, today going to be, oh, you know, oh, we should do away with football. (laughs) Because you're going to hear extremes like that because that's the way the world is today, right? Everything's an extreme. So, um, but it's just horrific. They end up suspending the game. You can make the case that it took the NFL too long to make that determination. But in part, you know, look, I don't blame the NFL. And one of the things that was interesting, and and I thought, by the way, I thought ESPN did a great job last night trying to navigate these waters. I Look, I am not a big Joe Buck fan, never have been. But he was great last night. I thought Susie Culver did a great job in the studio. They kept taking breaks as they tried to wrap their heads around this and figure out what it was they were going to say to fill time. But one of the mistakes that they made last night, at least according to the NFL, there was a uh, they ended up making a uh, a comment that. They are going to give the players, like, uh, after after they took Hamlin away in the ambulance, that they were going to give them five minutes to compose themselves and warm up before they restarted the game. 
Well, according to uh, Troy Vincent in the NFL office, the league never tried to restart that game. They did not ask players to begin a five-minute warm-up period. He said, you know, Vincent said in, in a statement last night, he said, it never crossed our mind to talk about warming up to resume play. That's ridiculous. That's incentive, uh, insensitive. That's not a place we should ever be in. Which is refreshing to hear because, of course, everybody on social media is looming, uh, losing their ever-loving minds, right? You know, that, that the NFL would dare to think about restarting this game. Troy Vincent said, we never did. Which is, I'm really, really glad to hear that. Um, you know, maybe that came from the referees. I don't know. But the fact that, that the NFL office didn't do that is an encouraging sign because it, they, uh, they were pretty much made to uh, look like uh, putzes last night. So you can, again, you can make the case they should have made the decision. Look, it took them a half an hour to make the decision, but I think for that time, everybody's trying to wrap their heads around it. Uh, you know, again, this is where the the amount of media coverage we have today and uh, the people on social media just losing their minds about everything and quick reactions on everything and everybody's an expert and everybody knows the right thing to do. Bullshit. You don't know the right thing to do. Shut up. You know, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that just pisses me off. And, and th- what happened last night with DeMar Hamlin was awful. And I hope the kid's going to be okay. He's in critical condition. There has been no update as of this morning other than that he's been sedated. He's in critical condition. But they revived him on the field. And uh, now that, now we see you know what happens from there, and we hope that he recovers. That's great. But the crap that I saw last night on social media, some of it just pissed me off. How about Skip Bayless? What a, how this guy is still employed is beyond me. You know, a guy said, well, how can you how can you reschedule this game? It's such an important game. This is the same guy that said that uh, Dak Prescott was soft because Dak Prescott said he was depressed after, you know, uh, his his brother dying. You know, it's, come on. We had another idiot out there trying to uh, make an anti-vax statement, wondering if DeMar Hamlin was vaccinated or not. Hmm. Are you kidding me? Cut the crap. And then the topper for me, the absolute topper. And this was an account that I followed until last night. Uh, It's called the Patriots Militia. It's at Pat's Militia. This a-hole goes on there last night. And by the way, they got a lot of followers. I want to say they had like 86,000 people following them. This a-hole goes on there last night. And takes a shot at ESPN saying, oh, ESPN taking advantage of this tragedy to make more advertising dollars by by, uh, cutting to commercials all the time. And then he says, F you ESPN with the middle finger emoji up. What the hell did you want them to do? What are they supposed to do? You take a break so that everybody can figure out what the hell is going on. What do you want him to do? Just, I mean, you, you know, you probably wanted to have a camera right down there so you could see every chest compression. What the hell is the matter with you? 
He later deleted the tweet, by the way, after he got skewered by a lot of people. I screenshotted it just to remind people, and I quickly unfollowed them, and I hope a lot of other people do the same thing. This is the problem with social media. I mean, even if you think that, shut up. You know, it's kind of like sometimes when you have an argument with your, your spouse. And you, there's something that you want to say, but you realize you really shouldn't. Because if you do, it's not going to go well for you. Take a breath before you say something and think about it before or before you type something on social media. And if you're not sure you should send it, don't. But it was absolutely disgusting a lot of the things we saw on social media last night. Disgusting. Now, where do we go from here? Um, that game last night was a huge game in terms of the playoff implications. Huge. You know, the problem is, is that next week is the last week of the regular season. Right? But you had Buffalo last night, who's 12-3. and three. They're, they're fighting for the number one playoff spot with the Kansas City Chiefs, who are 13-3. and three. So you've played one less game because that game was suspended last night. Cincinnati's 11-4. and four. If Cincinnati wins that game last night, they put themselves in position if a win over Baltimore next week and, and, and if Vegas somehow beats Kansas City, which, by the way, I wouldn't hold my breath, waiting for that to happen, but they could, Cincinnati could put themselves in the one spot with a win last night. So what do you do if you're the NFL? You know, and, and what makes it more stark is, you know, let's say Buffalo plays New England next week and wins. They're 13-3. and three. Kansas City plays at Las Vegas next week and wins. They're 14-3. and three. They've played one more game than Buffalo. You'd say, well, you know, okay. Well, here's the problem. In a head-to-head matchup this year, Buffalo beat Kansas City. So if they tied for the best record in the AFC, Buffalo would win the tiebreaker because of the head-to-head competition. Right? So Buffalo should have the number one seed. If you're the NFL, what do you do here? Do you postpone? See, here's the problem. You can't really postpone the first week of the playoffs and say, well, uh, you know, we'll roll everything back a week because the Super Bowl is already, the date is already set for like September or, you know, February. 10th maybe something like that it's like the second Sunday in February whatever that is well people already have hotel reservations airline reservations yada 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 you can't postpone the Super Bowl it's the 12th of February you can't postpone the Super Bowl so how do you fit this in do you fit this in you know if you're Kansas City and you have one more win than Buffalo, even though Buffalo beat you head-to-head, should you get the number one seed? What does the NFL do? Or does the NFL – I mean, you know, you and, and here's the problem. Buffalo was losing this game at the time, right? So you can't even say, well, Buffalo was going to beat Cincinnati. We'll just assume it and uh, we'll give – you know, you can't do that. So what do you do if you're the NFL? It means home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So if if Buffalo and Kansas City were to meet in the AFC Championship game to go to the Super Bowl, Buffalo would like that to be on their home field. 
So would Kansas City. So I don't know what you do here. And right now, at the end of the day, um, the Buffalo Bills don't care. What they care about is the health of DeMar Hamlin, who, you know, look, uh, this is a kid that was his, it's his second year in the league, ended up becoming a starter this year in week three because of an injury, has played pretty well. By all accounts, is a super kid, super uh, representative of the Bills. Uh, there was some stuff last night they showed, uh, you know, this is the good part of social media. Uh, you know, you saw some stuff that he did when he was at Pittsburgh, a toy drive that he organized. And, um, you know, so he it just seems like a great kid. And hopefully he's going to be okay. Look, you know, here's the thing. It's cardiac arrest. You know, we could, you know, he could bounce back and end up back playing next year. Hell, uh, there's an NHL player, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, who's had two strokes. I had what, had a stroke this year, and he's already back playing. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility that that, that could happen. But that's, you know, that's secondary. Let's hope he survives first. But the NFL is in a tough spot. There's no question about it. But, uh, you know, and, and it's unprecedented. I don't know what they're going to do. They don't know what they're going to do. Right now, everybody is just holding their breath and hoping DeMar Hamlin's okay. And here's the thing. You know, I, I think I think if DeMar Hamlin had not, you know, if it had just been a uh, some kind of a, another injury, you know, even if he had been knocked unconscious or whatever, but if he had, they had taken him off the field and he was okay, they knew he was, you know, and he, you know, gave the thumbs up as he was, I bet they would have restarted that game. But cardiac arrest, when you're working on a guy, you know, you, you just can't, you know, and, and you had to know whether your teammate's okay. You can't expect those guys to go out there and play when they don't even know if their guy's going to live. Now, if we find out this week that he's stable and he's going to be okay, Everybody's going to go, and it'll be a big sigh of relief, and then we can start thinking about what the NFL does. I'm sure they're already in the office this morning talking about contingencies and how they handle this, but it's not something that anybody wants to talk about really until they know uh, whether Hamlin's okay. But uh, I I just had chills watching it last night. My wife, who's not even a football fan, was up last night, and she had to be up at 4.20 this morning to go to work. And she sat up with me uh, until damn near 11 o'clock watching the coverage, you know, just trying to, to wrap it up. And she, you know, and, and we were both just sitting there just uh, sick. You know, you don't even know the kid, but you, it's, you know, knowing that his mother was in the stands and, you know, oh, you just you just put yourself in that shoes. And what if it was my kid? So. Uh, just a, 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 a brutal night, I, you know, and again, you just, you just keep praying that DeMar Hamlin's going to be okay and, and uh, he can resume his career. But even if he can't resume his career, just be okay. You know, uh, just, just be okay. It's 25 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 27 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a uh, Tuesday morning. And, uh, by the way, we are back now. We are going to be doing our show um, every day again. Uh, We have figured out, kind of figured out what's going on down here in terms of, uh, you know, look, our Internet. I've talked about it from day one since we moved down here to the sticks of North Carolina. Um, 
not only is the internet satellite slow, et cetera, et cetera. I also have data caps, so it's uh, it's difficult, you know, uh, to try to do the show and uh, still be able to uh, use the internet to do work uh, and to do the other things you need to do. Streaming, oh my God, you know, we don't have enough data to stream a lot. I mean, it's just. Uh, uh, well, none of you care about that, but it's it's been a challenge. So the so we're back doing it every day, but the um, the sacrifice we've had to make, and it's not. I mean, I sacrifice. I, I feel kind of bad. Is uh, we're not going to do, be doing Facebook. Uh, we're not going to stream the show on Facebook, the video, so that people can see me. God, why, God. You know, so I don't have to do, worry about doing my hair now in the morning. We are going to do Facebook only on Friday, so we're going to have it a Facebook Friday. So we'll do the video that we normally do on Facebook on Fridays. Um, you know, we always do the show uh, on the radio side or the internet side like this, um, and we'll do that every day. But Facebook will only be on Fridays. That s- reduces the amount of data uh, that I use for this show significantly and makes it doable. And frankly. I, I just need I just need this outlet. You know, I, I was talking to Barbara about it around the holidays and, you know, so many things happen during the week. And, you know, and I'm talking to her and she's looking at me like, you know, her eyes kind of glass over when I start talking sports. Uh, so, you know, and so we talked about it. And she's like, you know, you really you know, you really need to go back and do your show. Let's figure out how we can do this. And so uh, uh, what one of the things we did is uh, I, I got another phone another cell phone, so I'm paying an additional cell phone just so I can get hotspot data off my cell phone, so that, that gives us an additional uh, uh, 40 gigs of data so that, uh, so that we can do some more things, and uh, one of them is, is doing this show. So lucky you, I'm back uh, every day. Uh, we do have a vacation plan down to Florida to visit uh, my wife's uh, mother by choice, she calls her. Uh, uh, we're going to go down and visit her, uh, towards the end of this month, we'll be gone for five or six days. So, but outside of that, we will be doing the show every day. And again, uh, Facebook will only be on Friday. So, uh, I hope you'll, uh, I hope you'll come back along for the ride. I know that uh, we lost a lot of uh, listenership when I started doing the show just on Fridays. I completely understand, um, you know, when, when it's not, uh, as consistent as people would like and, you know, it, it, and, and some people, you know, like we were doing it, we were doing it on Fridays because, that football Friday is a big thing here. Uh, you know, the NFL is king in this country, so we do, do, did the show every Friday so we can concentrate on the weekend NFL games. Uh, but uh, And I love the NFL as much as the next guy, um, but I'm a baseball guy. And I know a lot of the people that were listening to the show were listening to it for uh, the, the baseball coverage and, and, and my take on, on Major League Baseball. Um, so, uh, uh, so we're back. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to build the audience back up again. And uh, thank you for those of you that hung, have hung in there uh, while we did it just on Fridays. And, and I hope you'll, uh, you'll, you'll stay along as we uh, get back to doing it every day. Uh, some other news um, uh, from the sports world that uh, broke yesterday. And uh, this is uh, sad news as well. Martina Navratilova, 66 years old, it was diagnosed, uh, has been diagnosed uh, with both throat and breast cancer. My Lord. <laughs> now, the good news is if, if, there, if you can have good news when you get diagnosed with cancer uh, is they caught them both very early. Uh, she said that uh, she noticed an enlarged lymph node in her neck uh, when she was uh, attending a, t- a tennis tournament back in November, and a biopsy uh, showed early-stage throat cancer. And while she was undergoing tests on her throat, 
they discovered that she had early stage breast cancer as well. Uh, so she has uh, begun treatment. And uh, uh, as she said, uh, uh, you know, she's going to, you know, it's serious, but it's fixable. And she said, I'll fight with all I've got. I mean, and look, she was, she is arguably the greatest. Well, you, well, I, w- I would make a case that she is the greatest women's tennis player ever. I think she's better than Serena Williams. And, you know, this is all recency bias uh, that Serena is the greatest of all time. And, um, and maybe mine's the old man bias that uh, <laughs> Martina, who's 66 years old, is the greatest ever. But look, uh, 18 Grand Slam titles, um, a woman that played, was winning titles into her late 40s, right? I mean, come on. fifty. Uh, she won 59 Grand Slam titles overall, including 31 in doubles and 10 in mixed doubles, along with the 18 singles titles. I mean, she won the mixed doubles championship at the U.S. Open in 2006 when she was a month shy of 50 years old. So I don't want to hear, you know, say whatever you want about Serena. And I'm not discounting what Serena has done. But Martina Navratilova was winning tennis tournaments when she was 49 years old. And when, when in my mind, the field, the, the women's tennis tournament field was a lot deeper than it is now. But again, you know, that's, that's my particular, you know, look, it's like, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Who's the greatest baseball player of all time? You know, we, everybody's got an opinion and, you know, we all know what opinions are worth. Uh, but anyway, just uh, sad news. 66 years old. Hopefully that uh, she can fight this off and and uh, be okay. She's a, a regular on the tennis channel as a as a commentator and uh, always admired her. Always admired me. I'll never. I'm, I'm telling you what. And um, I have never seen a more fit athlete in my life, and male or female. Honest to God, I mean, the, she had she the, she was ripped when she was playing tennis, absolutely ripped. And that's why she won so many tournaments because she was in so much better condition and so much stronger than a lot of the other women. Um, came out of Czechoslovakia, became a U.S. citizen, um, and uh, just a, a great ambassador for the sport to this day. So uh, we're wishing her uh, the best. Hopefully uh, hopefully she can fight this off. Um we didn't obviously didn't uh, we weren't here yesterday. Um, it was still a holiday, so we figured <laughs> we'd we'd take one last Monday off. But um, what an awesome weekend of college football! You know, uh, whether you are a college football fan or not, you have to admit that what we saw this weekend was unbelievable. Uh, you know, we'll, let's start with the. Uh, uh, the, the four teams uh, fighting for the national championship. And these games, look, um, the first game that uh, on, uh, on Saturday was uh, Michigan and TCU. Michigan, the number two seed, TCU, number three. Michigan was an overwhelming favorite in this game, despite the fact that TCU was 12-1 uh, and one coming into this game. You know, everybody, you know, looking at, the Big Ten championship uh, in Michigan, the fact that they absolutely rolled Ohio State, and everybody expected Michigan to win this game, myself included. Well, surprise, surprise, 
uh, in the Fiesta Bowl. TCU wins this one 51-45. I mean, look, nobody could stop anybody. The defense was non-existent. And Jim Harbaugh, who was on the losing end of this, you know, and uh, you know what he said? You know who won this game? Football. You know, and he's right. I mean, this was as entertaining a game as you can get. It looked like TCU was going to absolutely blow Michigan out of the stadium. It was shocking. And then Michigan with an incredible comeback to make this a game uh, unreal. I mean, look, uh, Michigan gets it back to six with 314 left. J.J. McCarthy with the, with a five-yard touchdown pass. Uh, and McCarthy was great in this game. Look, well, he was great and he was awful. You know, and this is the thing. You know, McCarthy threw for 343 yards, uh, had 52 yards rushing, three touchdowns. The problem is is that he also cost his team this game, and this is one that, that's going to bug him. He threw two, two pick sixes, one in each half. So 14 of the 51 points that TCU came away with in this game were given to them by the Michigan quarterback. You know, so you can make a case that, you know, offensively, Michigan outplayed him. But uh, a couple of big mistakes and turnovers will get you every time. But what a great, great game it was. And so just when you think it couldn't get any better, then on New Year's Eve we have Georgia, the number one team in the nation, undefeated, taking on Ohio State. Again, Georgia a big favorite in this game. And Ohio State looked like for all the world that they owned Georgia in this game. Look, they led 21-7 at one point in the first half. They led by 14. They were up 38-24 to in the fourth quarter. This game was over. You know, Ohio State, the number four seed, was going to shock the world. And, and Georgia, in, by the way, playing in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Georgia, only about an hour or so from their campus, it was basically a home game for Georgia. And Ohio State damn near pulled it off. Uh, you know, look, uh, this this quarterback from Georgia, he's been doubted his entire career. He's not very big, right? Uh, a lot of people have said that, including his own fans, didn't think that he was good enough. You know, everybody loves C.J. Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio State. But when it came to Georgia, Stetson Bennett has been doubted from day one. Well, he makes that pass to Mitchell in the final minute. And they end up beating Ohio State 42-41, to 41, coming back from 14 points down with about five minutes to go. 76-yard pass to Arian Smith, and then a two-point conversion, and it's a three-point game, right? And then Ruggles hits a field goal for Ohio State to make it 41-35 with 2.36 to go for Bennett. And then he hits Mitchell with 54 seconds left in the game. And even then, you know, everybody's losing their minds. And then 
just they hang on, they win this game in about as improbable as it gets. CJ Stroud was great. Threw for 348 yards, didn't throw a pick. And Stroud, even though he lost the game, much like Jim Harbaugh when, when he said in that Michigan game, you know who the winner in this was? It was football. Well, C.J. Stroud, after the end of this game, he said this was probably the most fun game I've ever played in my life. Kid threw four touchdown passes. He's, you know, not, doesn't throw a pick. 348 yards. I mean, just did everything. And by the way, including running the football, this is a kid that, look, he's athletic, but he's not known as a running quarterback. He took off time after time after time and picked up some big yards for this Ohio State team. He was great. Absolutely great. Um, so what what a what a what a f- unbelievable finish. Georgia um I expected more out of Georgia's defense to be honest. You know, and now they are going to face a, a a TCU team that you don't expect to be able to hang. Uh I believe the last line I saw had Georgia as something like a 12 or 13 point favorite. I think that's what it was. I could be wrong. Um, but look, uh, don't count them out, right? Don't count TCU out because uh, nobody thought they had a shot to beat Michigan. And th- that offense for TCU is dynamic. You know, and Georgia's going to have to tighten things up. You know, they're going to have to play better defense. They can't afford to make any mistakes on offense at all. I still I still believe Georgia will win this game. But, man, it's fun, absolutely fun. And so the national championship game will be coming up uh, a week from yesterday. So on uh, Monday night, the 9th of January, going to be a lot of fun. We'll talk about more about that as the uh, week goes on. Uh, we'll have Dan Zampano on on Friday to talk about uh, the NFL games, and uh, we'll obviously also talk about college football. He's a huge college football fan. I'm sure he's a little bit in mourning this week. He's a Michigan fan, but uh, great, great football on New Year's Eve. And then we follow it up with some fun games yesterday. Um, and the highlight of yesterday's game in terms of excitement at the end of the game has to be the Cotton Bowl. USC had this game in the bag. Tulane scores 16 points in the final four minutes of the game, and they come back to upset USC 46-45. Tulane, the greatest uh, season in school history. They finished 12-2. and um, And the other thing that they did, they set a record, a college football record um, for major Division I college football. This was a team that was 2-10 and last year. And they improved by 10 wins. They, are, they finished 12-2, and two, and it, uh, just an unbelievable game. Um, you know, and look, Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy winner for Southern Cal, did everything he could do. Threw for 462 yards and five touchdowns, which, by the way, is a Cotton Bowl record. And this is a kid they weren't even sure was going to play. Before the game, they're talking to his coach, uh, Lincoln Riley, and he's saying, well, he's not 100%. You know, and, and thank God we had as much time as we did to prepare for this, so, you know, hopefully he'll be able to play. Uh, play, 462 yards, five touchdowns. And USC ends up finishing the season 11-3. and But, look, for Tulane, this is 
This is their most significant bowl since they played in the Sugar Bowl in 1940. 1940. They were still in the SEC back then. And it was their biggest bowl win since the Sugar Bowl back in 1935 in New Orleans, which is where, of course, the Tulane campus is. So uh, what a great finish, 16 points in the final four minutes. So, you know, just when you thought you saw everything you, you were going to see on New Year's Eve, uh, and then, then Tulane pulls that off yesterday. Uh, the Rose Bowl was a snoozer. Penn State wins this easily. Uh, it didn't help uh, that Utah quarterback Cameron Rising got hurt in the third quarter and was out for the rest of the game. Matter of fact, it's the second time I think he's played in the Rose Bowl that he got hurt. But Penn State wins this one easily, 35-21. Uh, to 21. And then uh, a great game yesterday, and, and not necessarily as exciting, but it, it still was a comeback as Mississippi State came back uh, to beat Illinois. Um, and what's significant about this is just that Mike Leach, uh, their coach, passed away uh, at the end of the regular season. So uh, Zach Arnett, who had been their defensive coordinator, was promoted to head coach three days after Mike Leach passed away. And this team honors their former coach, Um and they all had uh, a pirate logo um, on their helmets, and uh, it just uh, and they had uh, tributes on the field to them. And uh, they come back and they beat Illinois in this game, nineteen to ten, an emotional victory for Mississippi State. And and you know what? I think anybody with a heart, <laughs> if you had a heart, you wanted Mississippi State to win this game. Just because of Mike Leach, who not only was a great coach, uh, was uh, a bit of a renaissance man, a, a hell of an individual, a quirky dude, a smart dude, uh, one of the best uh, post-game interviews ever, and uh, passed away at a, at, of a heart condition at the age of, he was only 55 years old. Uh, so uh, to have uh, his team rally to win that game yesterday was, was outstanding. It is 45 minutes past the hour. We're going to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call as uh, we get ready to wrap things up here uh, on a Tuesday morning. Uh, The other thing I watched yesterday uh, was fun. Um, They had the NHL had its winter classic uh, that it has every year where they have a game outdoors. And uh, this season the game was played at Fenway Park uh, it was the Bruins and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the Bruins, uh, who have had a great offense this year, uh, basically sleptwalked through the first uh, two and a half periods. They end up coming back to beat the Penguins 2-1. to one. Jake DeBrusque with two goals in the third period, uh, the last one with just over two minutes left. And uh, they come back to beat the Penguins 2-1. Uh, to one. And uh, the Bruins just, the juggernaut, just continues. It is unbelievable what they have done this year. Uh, look, we knew that they had a very, very good team, but right now the Bruins sit at 29, four and four, 29 wins, four regulation losses and four overtime losses. They have 62 points because by the way, you can't have ties anymore. Uh, 62 points, which is the best in the NHL. Um, uh, they currently uh, lead the Eastern Conference. Carolina, the second best team with 56 points. They are 25, 6, and 6. Uh, just unbelievable what this team has done. And they have not lost 
a game in regulation at home. And technically they were the home team yesterday. It was in Boston, not a TD Garden. But technically they were still the home team. And uh, they win that game yesterday and now are 19-0-4 in home games. Unbelievable. The best part about this game yesterday, though, the best part, John Henry, the owner of the Boston Red Sox, shows up. Um, and is booed unmercifully by the Boston fans because of the way that the Red Sox handled the offseason, letting Xander Bogarts uh, sign with the Padres. J.D. Martinez is gone. Nate Evaldi is gone. And the fans just absolutely killed him. And what was weird about this, think about this. He owns the Red Sox. But John Henry also owns the Pittsburgh Penguins. So the team that was playing in the Winter Classic in the building of the baseball team that he owns <laughs> loses uh, to the uh, to the Boston Hockey. It's just weird. But the fans killed him yesterday. I loved it. We're going to get into a lot of Red Sox talk this week. Um because, you know, we haven't talked about it a lot because we're only doing the shows on Friday and we're concentrating on football. But this has been the most painful offseason that I can remember in my 62 years. Just brutal. So the, when I heard the fans booing yesterday, I, I was on my, in my recliner cheering them on. It was an absolutely beautiful thing. Um, the other thing I watched this weekend, I watched, uh, the UConn men's basketball team. Uh, they lost their first game of the season. They ended up falling from number two in the AP rankings to number four. Uh, they lost to Xavier who had been ranked 18th in the country. They lost 83 to 73. The game was on the road. Uh, it was a tough game. There's no question about it, but this is one of those games where the UConn head coach, Danny Hurley, probably cost his team the game. I have said from the time Danny Hurley got hired that his temper and his sarcasm and the way he rides these officials was going to cost UConn a game. And he did. He got a technical foul for yelling at the referees with three minutes to go his team was only down by two. They were down 73-71 to 71 with three minutes to go. And the officials make a foul call, and Hurley goes after him. So what happens? A four-point swing. In the final three minutes of the game, Xavier outscores UConn 10-2. Game over. And, look, it's not the end of the season, but this is a problem. And Danny Hurley, after the game, trying to defend himself, he's like, yeah, put yourself in my shoes, you know, big free free throw discrepancy in the game. And there were. They were calling more fouls on UConn than they were. But it's, look, it happens. And UConn is a very aggressive team. They commit a lot of fouls. You know, and, and he has a legendary temper. There is no doubt about it. And supposedly he had actually written it. He wrote on his hand. Uh, at one point, uh, you know, coach your team, you know, and, and, and to, to try to prevent himself into getting into fights with the refs. Well, it didn't work. 
And yeah, you know, uh, the foul discrepancy twenty-two to nine at the time, and twenty-eight to nine in free throws. You're going to have games like that, but you can't lose your cool in a two-point game and cost your team a game. And he did. It's a shame. Um, and and look, the referees are onto him. You know, they the referees are looking out for him now. He is a marked man. He needs to learn to keep his mouth shut and give his team a chance. Look, UConn plays on the road again. They're at Providence tomorrow, a team that they should beat. UConn is still one of the best two or three teams in the country, in my mind. There's no doubt about it. But Danny Hurley has got to get himself under control and shut the hell up. Uh, that was, to me, that was unconscionable. Losing, uh, he, he lost that game for for the Huskies. You know, and Danny Hurley's going to say, well, who the hell are you? I don't really care what you think. You know, but I was somebody who, you know, coached high school and college basketball for a long, long time. You know, and I know there are times you cannot lose your cool. And I coached uh, with some people uh, that were great, great coaches and who knew when to get a technical foul and when not to. And Danny Hurley hasn't figured that part out yet. You know, his sarcasm and his, you know, the, the looks that he gives people. And uh, he makes you, makes you want to punch him in the face. <laughs> but there is no denying he has rebuilt that UConn program. He has done a great, great job. But he cost his team a game this weekend. Uh, UConn women uh, up to number five in the AP poll. They uh, play tonight against Butler in Indianapolis. They're starting to get healthy. They're going to get uh, Aubrey Griffin back tonight. Uh uh, AZ Fudd, who has been out with a knee injury since December 4th, has been uh, cleared for basketball activities. She's close to coming back. When they get her back, I mean, look, the Paige Beckers is out for the year, the best player in the nation. But AZ Fudd's pretty good. And they get her back along with everybody else getting healthy. This UConn team is still uh, has a chance to challenge South Carolina, I believe, for the national championship. But uh, uh, they need to get Fudd back in that lineup very, very soon. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. That's right. I said tomorrow. Uh, hey, it's Stephen Stills' birthday today, 78 years old. Of course, uh, uh, probably most known for his work with uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. So in honor of his 71st birthday, as on our way out this morning, here's some CSN and Southern Cross. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.